Part two, chapter sixteen of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter sixteen. In the month of April, the troops were cheered by word that the sovereign was coming to the army. Rostov did not have the privilege of taking part in the review made by the emperor at Bartenstein, for it happened that the Pavlogradsui were stationed at the advance posts, a considerable distance in front of Bartenstein. They were established in Buviaks. Denisov and Rostov lived in an earth hut excavated for them by their soldiers and covered with boughs and turf. This earth hut was constructed as follows, according to a plan much in vogue at that time. A trench three feet and a half wide, a little less than five deep, and about eight long was dug. At one end steps were constructed, and this formed the entry, the grand staircase. The trench itself constituted the abode, in which those who were fortunate, as for instance the squadron commander, had a board set on posts on the side opposite the entrance. This served as the table. On each side along the trench the earth was hollowed away to half its depth, making a bed and divan. The roof was so constructed that in the middle it was possible to stand erect under it, and one could sit up on the beds by leaning over toward the table. Denisov, who lived luxuriously, because the men of his squadron were fond of him, had an extra board on the pediment of the roof, and in this board was a pane of glass, broken to be sure, but mended with glue. When it was very cold, coals from the soldiers' fires were brought on a piece of bent sheet iron, and set on steps in the reception-room, as Denisov called this part of the hovel, and this made it so warm that the officers, who used to come in great numbers to visit Denisov and Rostov, could sit there in their shirt-sleeves. In April, Rostov happened to be on duty. One morning about eight o'clock, returning home after a sleepless night, he ordered some coals to be brought, changed his linen, which had been wet through by the rain, went through his devotions, drank his tea, got thoroughly warmed, put his belongings into order in his own corner and on the table, and, with his face flushed by the wind and the fire, threw himself down on his back, in his shirt-sleeves, with his arms for a pillow, he was indulging in pleasant anticipations of the promotion which was likely to follow his last reconnoitring expedition, and was waiting for the return of Denisov, who had gone off somewhere. Rostov was anxious to have a talk with him. Suddenly, behind the hut, he heard Denisov's high-pitched voice. He had evidently returned in a bad humor. Rostov went to the window to look out and see whom he was berating. He recognized the quartermaster, Topchenko. I have given you special orders not to let them eat that woot, Mashka, what you call it, cried Denisov, and here I've seen it with my own eyes. Laskarchek was bringing some in from the field. I have given the order, your high nobility, but they won't listen to it, replied the quartermaster. Rostov again lay down on his bed and said to himself with a feeling of content, Let him kick up a row and make as much fuss as he pleases. I've done my work, and now I'll lie down. It's first class. He heard Lavrushka, Denisov's shrewd and rascally valet, join his voice to the conversation going on outside the hut. Lavrushka had something to tell about ox-carts laden with biscuits, which he had seen as he was going after provisions. Denisov's sharp voice was again heard behind the hut, and his command, Second platoon, to saddle. What can be up? wondered Rostov. Five minutes later Denisov came into the hut, climbed up with his muddy boots on his bed, lighted his pipe in grim silence, tossed over all his belongings, got out his whip and sabre, and started from the hut. 
in reply to rostof's question whither away he gruffly and carelessly replied that he had something to attend to may god and the sovereign be my judges he exclaimed as he went out and then rostof heard the hoofs of several horses splashing through the mud rostof did not take any pains to inquire where denisof had gone warm and comfortable in his corner he soon fell asleep and it was late in the afternoon when he left the hut denisof had not yet returned the weather had cleared up bright and beautiful near a neighboring hut two officers and a yunker were playing svika merrily laughing as they drove the redki or mumblepegs into the loose muddy ground rostof joined them in the midst of the game the officers saw a train approaching them fifteen hussars on emaciated horses followed the wagons the teams conveyed by the hussars approached the picketing station and a throng of hussars gathered round them there now denisof has been mourning all the time said rostof and here are provisions after all see there cried the officers won't the men be happy a short distance behind the hussars rode denisof accompanied by two infantry officers with whom he was engaged in a heated discussion rostof started down to meet him i was ahead of you captain declared one of the officers a lean little man evidently beside himself with passion see here i have told you that i would not return em replied denisof you shall answer for it captain this is violence to rob an escort of their wagons our men have not had anything to eat for two days and mine have not had anything to eat for two weeks replied denisof this is highway robbery you'll answer for it my dear sir replied the infantry officer raising his voice what are you bothering me for hey screamed denisof suddenly losing his temper i am the one who is responsible and not you what is the object of all your buzzing here forward marsh he cried to the officers very good screamed the little officer not quailing and not budging if you insist on pillage then i take yourself off to the devil get out of here and denisof rode his horse straight at the officer very good very good reiterated the officer with an oath and turning his horse he rode off at a gallop bouncing in his saddle a dog on a fence a wheel dog on a fence shouted denisof as he rode away this was the most insulting remark that a cavalryman could make to a mounted infantryman then as he joined rostof he burst out in a loud laugh i rescued em from the infantry i carried off their transport by main force said he what do they think i would let my men perish of starvation the wagons which had been brought to the hussars were consigned to an infantry regiment but denisof learning through lavrushka that the transport was proceeding alone had ridden off with his hussars and intercepted it the soldiers had as many biscuits as they wished and even enough to share with other squadrons the next day the regimental commander summoned denisof and covering his eyes with his spread fingers he said this is the way i look at it i know nothing about it and i have nothing to do with it but i advise you to go instanter to headquarters and report this affair to the commissary department and if possible give a receipt for so many provisions received unless you do the requisition will be put down to the infantry the matter will be investigated and may end badly denisof went straight from the regimental commanders to the headquarters with a sincere intention of adopting his advice in the evening he returned to his hut in a condition such as rostof had never seen his friend before he could hardly speak or breathe when rostof asked him what the matter was he only broke out in incoherent oaths and threats in a weak and husky voice 
alarmed at denisof's condition rostof advised him to undress drink some cold water and send for a physician they are going to twy me for wabui oh give me a drink of water let them twy me i will beat the waskels every time and i'll tell the emperor give me some ice he added the regimental surgeon came in and said that it was absolutely necessary to take some blood from him he filled a soup plate with dark blood from denisof's hairy arm and then only was he in a condition to tell all that had taken place i get there said denisof telling his story where is your head man here they show me can't you wait i have pressing business come thirty verse impossible to wait let me see him very good out comes the robbery in chief and he too undertakes to lecture me this is highway wabui a man says i is not a wobber who takes provisions to feed his soldiers but one who fills his own pockets will you please keep quiet very good sign a receipt at the commissionaires says he and your affair will take its due course i go to the commissionaires i go in and there at the table who do you suppose no guess who has been starving us screamed denisof gesticulating his wounded arm and pounding the table with his fist so violently that the board almost split and the glasses on it jumped up telyanin so it's you is it who's been starving us once before you had your snout slapped for you and got off cheap at that ah what a what a and i began to give it to him i enjoyed it i can tell you cried denisof angrily and yet gleefully showing his white teeth under his black moustache i should have killed him if they had not separated us here here what are you shouting so for calm yourself said rostof you've set your arm bleeding again wait it must be bandaged they bandaged denisof's arm and got him off to bed the following day he woke jolly and calm but at noon the adjutant of the regiment with a grave and regretful face came into rostof and denisof's earth hut and with real distress served upon major denisof a formal document from the regimental commander who had been called to account for the proceeding of the day before the adjutant informed them that the affair was likely to assume a very serious aspect that a court-martial commission had been convened and that on account of the severity with which just at that time rapine and lawlessness were treated he might consider himself fortunate if the affair ended with a mere degradation those who felt themselves aggrieved represented the affair as in somewhat this way that after the pillage of the transport major denisof without any provocation and apparently drunk had made his appearance before the commissary called him a thief threatened to thrash him and when he was dragged away he had rushed into the office struck two shivovniks and sprained the arm of one of them denisof in reply to a fresh series of questions from rostof laughed and said that he thought someone else had been there in that condition but that all this story was rubbish fiddle-faddle that he was not afraid of any court-martials and that if these villains dared to pick a quarrel with him he would answer them in a way that they would not soon forget denisof spoke with affected indifference about all the affair but rostof knew him too well not to perceive that at heart though he hid it from the rest he was afraid of a court-martial and was really troubled by this affair which evidently might have sad consequences every day inquiries summonses and other documents kept coming to him and on the first of may he was required to turn over his command to his next in seniority and appear at headquarters of the divisions to make his defence in the matter of pillaging the provision train on the evening preceding the day of the trial platoff made a reconnaissance of the enemy with two regiments of cossacks and two squadrons of hussars 
Denisov, as usual, went out beyond the lines in order to make an exhibition of his gallantry. A bullet sent from a French musket struck him in the fleshy upper portion of his leg. Most likely Denisov, in ordinary circumstances, would not have left the regiment for such a trifling wound, but now he profited by this occurrence, gave up his command of the division, and went to the hospital. End of chapter 16